0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And Today, we're once again talking about Activision Blizzard, but not Activision Blizzard being purchased by Microsoft, not Activision Blizzard dealing with nascent unionization efforts at Raven and other aspects of their companies. No, today we're going back to the start of it all. Activision Blizzard under fire. Of course, if you don't know any of this story, we've got a 50-video playlist for you to check out, but suffice it to say, the state of California, through their Department of Fair Employment and Housing, in the middle of last year, July or so, sued Activision for discrimination and sexual harassment. Shortly thereafter, the federal version of California's department, the EEOC, filed a lawsuit against Activision Blizzard itself. Also, for sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination, retaliation, those very specific items and Activision Blizzard and the EEOC settled the same day. Now we did a video on that. It's a little bit of an odd circumstance, but probably related to statutes of limitations, behind the scenes, dealing, settlement agreements, that kind of thing. Suffice it to say, that was not taken terribly well by the state of California. And in fact, in the most recent video touching on this particular aspect of the Activision story, we put a thumbnail out that said California loses its mind. Why? Because the court in the EEOC versus Activision kept telling California that they didn't have a cognizable legal interest to actually intervene in this settlement process, that the EEOC is welcome to release its claims and settle and Activision Blizzard is welcome to release its claims and settle. But California was upset because they felt that the EEOC's $18 million fund, the capacity to actually settle with Activision Blizzard and to allow certain women working at Activision Blizzard to settle on their own behalf, was hurting California's case. They went so far in their document here to say that EEOC and Activision were colluding to hurt the state of California, which really wasn't taken too terribly well by either of the parties or the court in question. In fact, you can go back to the video that I just described about California and handling this particular issue and see exactly why it was such a problem for the court. They weren't allowed to intervene. They had a amicus curiae brief that was allotted to them that they instead filed as effectively an intervention document. Everybody's mad at each other. And you might think the state of California would drop it at that. It was getting slammed pretty hard by the court. And yet they did not. In fact, on March 28th, 2022, the day before this consent decree and settlement was actually finally approved by the court, the state of California went up to the Ninth Circuit and asked for an emergency stay to stop the court from even looking at this. And this was denied by the Ninth Circuit in one sentence. The emergency stay motion is denied. On the day of, March 29th, 2022, when the judge is having a hearing on this, the state of California files a motion to actually have this process stay. They don't want any of this to happen. And it, again, is denied by the very same court that denied it before and told them that they were filing the wrong documents, et cetera, et cetera. California Department of Fair Employment and Housing's request to stay entry of the consent decree is denied. Now, at this same meeting on March 29th, 2022, just a few days ago, the court would actually find that the consent decree was good enough for the public interest. The provisions of the foregoing consent decree are fair, reasonable, and adequate, and advance the public interest. The terms are hereby approved, and compliance with all provisions thereof is hereby ordered. Of course, the state of California did not take that terribly well. And as Stephen Totillo of Axios reports, California makes clear it will appeal the consent decree. As a matter of fact, if you go back here, you see the previously established briefing schedule remains in fact at the Ninth Circuit. The state of California had already been pursuing a stay, reversal, whatever it might be, an appeal of this entire process to allow it to intervene to fight against this consent decree. And as Stephen Totilla reports, California will be continuing with that process. But that's only a part of the conversation because this is a big deal. Activision Blizzard is now a part of one of the biggest acquisitions in video game history, actually by far the biggest acquisition in video game history, and major media publications outside of just reporting on video games are reporting on this with great interest. Washington Post, Activision Blizzard officially settles federal sexual harassment suit for $18 million, and places like The Hollywood Reporter. Activision Blizzard settles federal sexual harassment lawsuit over objection from California, and their interest is very much on the business side. Microsoft becoming invested and acquiring Activision Blizzard. The approval advances Microsoft's proposed $68.7 billion bid to buy the video game publisher in a deal that could upend the gaming world. In fact, I'm quoted in this one. This is my first appearance in The Hollywood Reporter, not my standard quote-giving entities. But one of the things I say is regardless of how you feel about the outcome here, from Microsoft's perspective, from Activision's perspective, it's obviously a good day certainty is always good even if you have to pay 18 million dollars even if you have to accede to certain other aspects of the consent decree which we're going to be taking a look at in this video certainty is what giant acquisitions are based on so this is a good day for Activision Blizzard maybe that means it's a bad day for you or you'd prefer that it was a bad day for Activision Blizzard but that's certainly what has happened here now in all of the reporting here Hollywood Reporter Washington Post Wall Street Journal all these big big media outlets I think the complexities here of the EEOC and the DFEH fighting each other have made at least some of the summaries of what's happening a little bit unuseful. And really, all the parties here are to blame the EEOC fighting against California, California fighting against the EEOC, all these various things. And so one of the things I want to do is go to you with the final version of the consent decree. This has been amended twice, it looks like, since the consent decree that we originally looked at in this playlist. This will be a kind of short form look at the overall body of the document. But one thing that a number of journalists have asked me about that people have quasi reported on in various aspects is what the actual claim process looks like here. Right, one of the things that the state of California was so upset at the EEOC about was what does your release document look like? How do these women get money out of this pool? What does that whole process look like? And now those documents are attached to the final consent decree. We'll go over those a little bit more more robustly than just the specifics of what is happening here, but I think it is useful to understand that when they say Activision Blizzard settled for $18 million That's really kind of the icing on the cake from the EEOC side of things. They want to get these women redressed. That's why they don't want to go the litigation route that California does. They don't want to risk everything. They want to get numbers in women's hands that were affected by this kind of thing. But also, they want control of the entity. They're putting people in place at Activision Blizzard that are going to audit things, that are going to change policies and procedures. We'll talk about those as well. Again, in short form, because I know one of the things that people are really, really interested in is what that looks like to a woman that was affected working at activision blizzard so we have all this kind of preamble stuff but the main operational legalities of this document rest in section four the release of claims the parties which is on the one hand the eeoc and on the other hand the activision entities and all their subsidiaries everybody that is activision agree that this decree completely and finally resolves all allegations issues and claims raised by the eeoc against defendants and nothing in this decree is nor should be construed as an admission of wrongdoing or liability by defendants. And I know a number of you will find that to be odd or untoward. Obviously, if Activision is agreeing to all this, that's a certain concept of wrongdoing or liability. You don't agree to this if you didn't potentially do something wrong, but this is kind of standard in a settlement document. The actual institution Activision Blizzard doesn't want to be tarred and feathered with these particular naming conventions and the EEOC accedes to that if they get the control that they want, if they get the money that they want for the people that need that redress. Nothing in this decree constitutes nor should be construed as constituting the imposition of any penalty. Kind of same deal with wrongdoing. Nothing in this decree shall be construed to preclude the EEOC from enforcing this decree in the event that defendants fail to perform the promises and representations contained And There's a bunch of language in this document, not all of which I will go through with you, that says, hey, if the EEOC thinks that something is happening here that isn't to the letter of this consent decree, they effectively have almost unilateral authority to say, we're going to extend the term. We're going to make changes here. We're going to ask you to do more things because Activision Blizzard isn't following along with what the parties had agreed to here. The EEOC has a lot of power to kind of police the efficacy of this consent decree on the whole. Now, it is worth noting that absent the EEOC extending anything or other problems, it is only supposed to be for three years. We will see the EEOC is going to embed someone. Activision is going to have to hire or at least pay someone to coordinate with the EEOC. And that's supposed to last for three years, whereupon the EEOC has no harassment graduation, hopefully, for a company like Activision Blizzard. Now, the EEOC does have compliance rights. Defendants agree that the EEOC can review compliance with this decree, as I mentioned. The parties also expressly agree that if the defendants have failed to comply with any provision of this decree, the EEOC may seek to enforce this decree, seeking all available relief, including an extension of the term of the decree. As I said, pretty unilateral powers. For the EEOC now the big ticket item the one that's in every headline the one that people are most interested in is this 18 million dollars defendants will provide a total fund of 18 million dollars to be available to eligible claimants and the EEOC has full and complete discretion under the terms of this decree to determine who an eligible claimant is now it's supposed to be focused as we said about sexual harassment pregnancy discrimination and retaliation for either of those things we will see in the claims document that will be put forth to the women of Activision, that that is what they are going to ask about are those specific things. But ultimately, it's the EEOC that gets to decide how to divvy this up. And for statutory purposes, the EEOC, as we've talked about earlier in this playlist, really can't give anybody more than $300,000. And that would be really egregious claims. So they'll be taking this $18 million. They'll be looking at the claims that come in, and they will be setting numbers related to those claims. Within 30 calendar days of the effective date, defendants will hire and appoint a claims administrator approved by the EEOC to oversee the claims process and payments to eligible claimants as directed by the EEOC. So Activision actually has to pay for somebody to coordinate all of this and to work with the EEOC to make sure that these women get paid. Now, there's a bunch of additional legalese around this, a bunch of specifics, how to mail, when to mail, what that should include. And then again, we have another kind of unilateral sentence here the EOC has sole discretion in determining the criteria, eligibility, and monetary relief amounts for each claimant. This was another area that California complained about because they say, hey, we don't know what these criteria and eligibility are. And that's fair. But one of the things that will come up again and again and again, and the reason California has not succeeded and in my opinion is very unlikely to succeed in any intervention or appeal of this consent decree is that it's entirely voluntary. These women are going to get a number from the EEOC, as we will see in the process described to them, and then they can decide whether they want that number in exchange for a release or whether they don't. And in general, the law says that is a decision to be made by the damaged party. The state of California doesn't own the women who otherwise seek redress and mandate that they participate in their lawsuit when there's another party that is otherwise willing to potentially give them money. Now, another area that has featured a number of complaints, and I don't really blame people here, is that undistributed excess funds will be allocated to one of two things. Charitable organizations advancing women in the video game and technology industries or otherwise promoting awareness around sexual harassment and gender equality issues, that's fine. If $18 million isn't otherwise used to give these women redress, then the extra goes to outside charities that Activision can name but have to be approved by the EEOC. That's not really where people get hung up. It's that the second... Romanette here says, upon request by defendants and approval by the EEOC to the diversity and inclusion fund, which is Activision's, that's effectively Activision will retain the money, but focus it on diversity and inclusion at the entity. And it does say that the EEOC's approval of that kind of plan will not be unreasonably withheld, which is legal magic terminology, which you should interpret as meaning that the EEOC's consent right really isn't going to be that powerful because Activision could always claim that it was being unreasonably withheld. And that's kind of a tough thing to disprove. So in most cases, that EEOC approval isn't going to be as useful as it might be in other instances in this document. And so people rightly, I think, worry that Activision Blizzard is going to have extra money to just pay itself for what it would have had to pay for its d. EI initiatives in any event. So since money is fungible to the extent that that stays at Activision, that's money they don't otherwise have to spend that they would have likely spent in any event. So that's the $18 million, but there's more here and this doesn't get described as much. There is one other area for claimant-specific injunctive relief that California complained very loudly about that I did a video on explaining why they were wrong. The court has explained why they're wrong. Activision has explained why they're wrong. The EEOC has explained why they're wrong. And it's the following. Remove from the personnel files of each eligible claimant any references to the eligible claimant's allegations of sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination, or related retaliation, or determined by the EEOC to be related to such allegations. So... Activision Blizzard is agreeing to remove the files in the personnel files of these people that relate to what the EEOC finds to be bad acts. Discrimination, sexual harassment, retaliation, those kinds of things. And the state of California looks at this, apparently having only seen this for the first time ever in its legal life, which is difficult to believe, and says, ah, they want to destroy documents that we could use in our lawsuits, to which the EEOC properly responds, no, no, We're taking things out of personnel files that are bad for those people because they're illegal things that were said about them. And those people don't deserve to be tarred with these illegal concepts in their personnel files. EEOC rightly said to the extent that they are useful for another litigation that are already subject to discovery protection, they're not going anywhere. You could still get access to them, but they're not going to be kept in the same place. They're not going to be associated with some person that they shouldn't be associated with. So, again, all this very standard operating procedure from the EEOC and to some extent, it's going to be controlled by the eligible claimant in question, as we will see in the documents attached to the consent decree. Now we get general injunctive relief. So the defendants are enjoined from, among other things, uh, discrimination in a hostile work environment, which you might already recognize as illegal, so this injunction doesn't mean much. They're also enjoined from retaliation, also still illegal. And then we get into the stuff they have to pay for or that is otherwise going to constrain what they do. They will retain a third-party EEO consultant approved by the EEOC with demonstrated experience in the areas of preventing and combating gender discrimination, harassment, and related retaliation. The EEOC consultant's duties shall include a whole long list, so I'm only going to use a couple of examples here. Conducting audits to identify any areas from improvement. Reviewing defendants, tracking systems, and complaint logs. Investigation, resolution, and proper handling of complaints. Evaluating whether complaints of sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination, and or related retaliation are documented and properly and timely handled. Evaluating those complaints. Reviewing and providing feedback on policies and procedures, etc., 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 Additionally, Activision will be forced to hire or designate an internal equal employment opportunity coordinator, the internal coordinator that effectively has to dedicate their job to working with the EEOC and the EEOC's consultant here to make sure that Activision Blizzard is doing what they are supposed to do under this decree. There'll be audits, there'll be reviews of the things that they do on an annual and other timeframe basis. There's all sorts of things that Activision Blizzard has to follow and that the EEOC can effectively extend their probationary period here if they don't follow. Defendants promise to work with the EEOC consultant to review their internal complaint investigation procedure and to make it better under the judgment of the EEOC. There'll be trainings for everybody. Defendants agree that they will require all supervisory employees to attend live compliance training for at least two hours. HR has at least two hours of training. Everybody else has at least one hour of training. And maybe if you're in corporate world, You understand that these trainings aren't necessarily terribly useful, but they are at least a step forward and going to be governed by the EEOC for at least three years. This continues and continues and continues. Defendants will work with the EEOC consultant to evaluate performance evaluation forms. If managers and supervisors and human resource personnel are not getting proper feedback and nobody is checking on the job that they are doing and responsive enough to the complaints that they're receiving, there'll be a hotline cap. They'll keep better records. The EEOC will watch all of this. And then outside of the audit right, you'll still have to, as Activision, report to the EEOC immediately after entering into this consent decree that you're moving forward with everything properly on a semi-annual basis. You have to make these reports to the EEOC to make sure that you're compliant. You'll also have to file an exit report if you are Activision, and the EEOC consultant shall make recommendations as part of that final report for extension of the term of this decree, if it is, in fact, appropriate. All costs will be Activision's to comply with all of this stuff, and that's what Activision Blizzard has agreed to. The $18 million is to give those women redress, but the EEOC wants to make it better, wants to fix Activision Blizzard. Now you can disagree with them. You could think they should have held out for more. California says it's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. The EEOC says we want to get redress to women faster. That's a difference in policy and procedure, and you don't necessarily have to agree with one or the other, but it is a legitimate function of each agency, which is why the legal system has rejected California's attempts so much here. Now, as I promised, we're going to get into documents that we haven't already looked at in substantive part here. We're going to take a look at what this looks like in terms of notification for the people at Activision Blizzard, the claims documents, what the release looks like, and we'll see exactly why the EEOC got so upset at California and why this still works and California's lawsuit can survive. To all individuals who are current or former employees of Activision Blizzard Inc., Blizzard Entertainment Inc., Activision Publishing Inc., or King.com Inc., or any of their subsidiaries anywhere in the United States at any time between September 1st, 2016 and March 29th, 2022, here is the description of everything we talked about. As part of the settlement, the consent decree provides for comprehensive injunctive remedies, injunctive remedies being everything we talked about that the EEOC is forcing on Activision to try to correct whatever misbehaviors have happened at those companies that will implement and a settlement fund in the amount of $18 million to be distributed in amounts determined by the EEOC to quote unquote eligible claimants who sign and return a release of claims. In the consent decree, eligible claimant is defined as a claimant who, in the EEOC's sole discretion, meets the following requirements. The claimant was employed by Activision Blizzard entities at any time from September 1st, 2016 to the effective date. That's why the notice is for those dates. And based on the EEOC's assessment, the claimant could assert a viable claim for sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination, or related retaliation. So could assert a viable claim is the EEOC is going to evaluate whether this would have been something that they could have responded to in a different context, that a lawsuit could have been brought, and they will evaluate what they think the damages would have been realized for that particular complaint eligible claimant on the fly. They are going to coordinate all of this and decide exactly what that $18 million looks like for each of these specific claims. The EOC encourages anyone who believes that meet the above requirements to submit a claim form in this case. Participation is completely voluntary and submitting a claim form does not obligate you to participate further. I got asked this from a number of folks uh, that were interested in how this process works. You do not have to do this blind. The women of Activision Blizzard are not being asked to side with the EOC and see what number pops out of the slot machine. They are asked to submit a claim form. The EOC will evaluate and say, well, we actually don't think this is worth anything. This is $0, or we think it's worth this much. This is what you would get paid. If you do want to get that payment, you will have to release certain things, but that will be up to you with a number in front of you. And we'll talk about the release document in just a second. Now, the EEOC is very concerned about all this as participation in the settlement is completely voluntary. Again, this is where the state of California really lost its case and why it was so weak to try to intervene in any event. If you are deemed eligible by the EEOC to receive monetary relief, you will receive a notice of eligibility and claim share amount form that will include the amount the EEOC has determined should be your monetary relief. You will also receive a release of claims form from the claims administrator which is a separate agreement between you and the Activision Blizzard entities. The EEOC is not a party to the release of claims because the consent decree is what releases the EEOC's claims. Prior to signing the release of claims, you will have the opportunity to consult with an attorney of your choice or with an attorney selected from a list the EEOC has compiled of experienced attorneys who have confirmed they are willing to provide this consultation to advise you On the release of claims, and up to one hour of such consultation will be provided at no cost to you. That's where we saw the $450 legal rate in the consent decree. And this is also where the EEOC got very upset at California for sending emails to Activision Blizzard employees suggesting that they not do certain things with the EEOC. That got them very, very upset. If you are deemed ineligible, you will receive a notice of ineligibility that will inform you of the basis for that determination. Please take notice that if you are or were employed by Activision Blizzard Inc., Activision Publishing, Blizzard, In California, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, a California state agency, has filed a lawsuit unrelated to the EEOC's lawsuit in the Los Angeles Superior Court against Activision Blizzard, Activision Publishing, and Blizzard Entertainment. In that lawsuit, DFEH includes state law claims of sexual harassment, sex discrimination, including pay promotion and termination slash constructive discharge, retaliation, and failure to prevent harassment and discrimination. If you previously provided information to the DFEH, that does not mean that you have provided information to the EEOC. And if you want to be considered for monetary relief from our $18 million settlement fund, you must submit a claim form as instructed herein. Again, the EEOC settlement will compensate eligible claimants who experienced sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination, or related retaliation. Now, honestly, I think this paragraph could probably do a better job to establish that going with the EEOC on these claims doesn't actually kill These claims, things like the sex discrimination, pay promotion, termination, constructive discharge, but that is the legal effect of these documents working together. And this is obviously something that is special for this particular state of affairs. This is not in their standard boilerplate uh, notification document. So they're telling folks, hey, California has a lawsuit. You should consider that one as well if you are interested. Then we get the claim form. And this is what the women of Activision Blizzard will be asked to submit back to the EEOC to show that they are deserving of some portion of the fund. Now you'll note, particularly because a lot of people are very concerned about their their data and their privacy, and I think rightly so, that you've got to submit a lot of information, right? First name, last name, date of birth, social security number, full address, city, home phone, email address. This is the kind of stuff that you can steal an identity with. So I don't blame anybody for being reticent, uh, but this is the kind of thing that the EEOC is required to gather in order to make sure that the proper people. Are getting the proper money now what are they actually going to ask you give us your start and end date where were you employed what job titles did you hold did you personally experience or witness the following behavior including suggestive stories crude sexual remarks unwelcome sexual attention unwelcome touching pressure to engage in sexual behavior they asked for these boxes were any of the actions you experienced or witnessed by a manager or supervisor non-management other folks Describe what type of unwanted or unwelcome behavior you experienced. And obviously, this isn't a fun process uh, for any of this, but they do need this information to evaluate these kinds of things. And they allow for three separate incidents. And presumably, you could attach pages if, unfortunately, you had more to share. Did you complain? Describe the first complaint you made. Was it to a supervisor? Was it to HR? Did the objectionable or offensive behavior change after you complained? What actions were taken by Activision Blizzard as a result of your complaint? that you are aware of is really how this should be written. But what do you know happened after that complaint went in? Or was it nothing? If you didn't complain, why didn't you complain? On the pregnancy discrimination side, were you ever pregnant during the period? Do you believe you experienced pregnancy discrimination, which can include demotion, denial of employment opportunities, refusal to accommodate pregnancy or pregnancy-related conditions, termination, or a feeling that you had to resign because of your pregnancy? Describe all of that. Check more boxes, very similar to the sexual harassment section. Who did you talk to? Why did you talk to them? What did they say? Retaliation. Do you believe you were retaliated against because you complained about harassment or pregnancy discrimination? If you answered yes, describe your experience. And then we have to figure out how much you were damaged. If you were no longer employed by these entities, select the reason for the end of your employment. Do you believe that the end of your employment was related to the harassment or discrimination or retaliation? Describe that for us. If you resigned, was your resignation caused by one of those things? Please describe how you believe your resignation was caused by those things. If the EEOC sought to have your involuntary termination, your firing, reclassified as a resignation, would you be interested in this reclassification? This is the kind of thing the EEOC does. This kind of dovetails with the personnel files kind of concept, right? If the EEOC finds that you were illegally terminated, illegally discriminated against in some fashion that they can correct, they can say, hey, this is always going to be reported on as a resignation. And if that is helpful to you. They ask you the question, is that something you'd be interested in in us doing? Did you lose pay? How much? What does that look like? And then the personnel files. As part of the agreement with Activision Blizzard entities, Activision Blizzard entities will remove from an eligible claimant's personnel records any references to the allegations related to sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination, or related retaliation. This is intended to protect eligible claimants from retaliation including retaliation for engaging in protected activity by complaining about sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination, and or related retaliation, for cooperating with the EEOC's investigation, or making a claim. If you answer yes to the following question, EEOC will request your personnel file from Activision Blizzard entities for review. Question 41. Do you believe... There may be any documents in your personnel records that you believe constitute unfair discipline, reprimand, counseling, termination, or other write-ups that you believe were made against you because you were harassed, discriminated against on the basis of your pregnancy, or retaliated against for complaints of harassment or pregnancy discrimination. So again, California completely mischaracterized what this entire concept was about. And this got reported on specifically in the gaming press quite a lot. This is standard EEOC procedure that says, we are going to try to correct illegal bad acts that an employer will take because otherwise your personnel file can follow you around or can certainly be investigated within the company, right? If 10 years down the line, completely different people look at your personnel file and find that you were written up because of very bad things that the EEOC thinks are completely unfair and or wrong, you would like to get those pieces of documentation out of your personnel file. And yes, those can be used as evidence of discrimination or harassment or retaliation themselves. They can't be destroyed, but they don't have to be attached with person X or person Y anymore, which is the purpose of the, the EEOC's request in their consent decree in the first instance. And I got to believe California was just playing ignorant on that It is known that this is the kind of thing that can be done that happens, and yet California went out with it, and it was picked up in many, many journalistic outlets. Finally, we get the release document. The subject of so much consternation and vitriol is between the state of California and the EEOC that says the following. Acknowledgement and release. Please read this carefully. It contains a release and waiver of legal rights and claims. You are advised to consult with an attorney of your choice concerning its terms and legal significance before signing. And I can't give formal legal advice in this space, but I can certainly agree with this header. If you're in an instance where you're asked to sign a piece of paper that gives away your legal rights, that waives the effectiveness that you could have in litigation or otherwise, talk to a lawyer. Good lawyers will talk to you about this kind of thing. In consideration for the X amount of dollars paid to me, in connection with the resolution of EEOC versus Activision Blues. So they come back, they say, this is worth $100,000. In consideration for that $100,000, you have to do the following. I am releasing any claims for sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination, or related retaliation, whether currently known or unknown to me, that were asserted or could have been asserted against the released parties, which for purposes here is Activision. So you're releasing any claim that you would have for these three specific categories, sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination or retaliation related to either of those two. This is where the fight between the EEOC and California becomes so apparent because if you recall, the narrative here is that the EEOC in California, which worked together regularly on these kinds of things, agreed to split their investigation process so that the EEOC would handle sexual harassment and the state of California would handle pay discrimination, termination discrimination, the discriminatory aspects of Activision Blizzard that they wanted to pursue. Instead, the state of California brought a lawsuit on those discrimination charges, yes, but also on sexual harassment, which is why they are so mad about this. Because if somebody enters into this agreement, says, yes, $100,000 is perfectly good for me, that's what I want, and accepts this, then they have to release sexual harassment charges against Activision Blizzard and can no longer participate in the California lawsuit on that ground. They could still participate they could still be a member of a class for purposes of the more institutional discrimination concepts but not not for sexual harassment and also not for discrimination that's based on pregnancy so you have this overlap you have these two agencies really get into it from the start of these two specific lawsuits and california losing its mind on this kind of thing but again the law looks at this as a claim that is held by the woman that was affected who can take a look at that number and decide for herself whether it is worth it to her to release those particular claims on these specific bounds. And it's not the state of California that has that legally cognizable interest. I further understand that the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing has filed suit against Activision Blizzard. And I understand that in the DFEH lawsuit, the DFEH has brought claims on behalf of female workers of Activision Blizzard, Activision Publishing, and Blizzard in California. By signing this release, I waive any right I may have to recover any monetary damages or other relief the DFEH may recover in the DFEH lawsuit for sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination, or related retaliation. And it's actually this kind of language that California in some of their current documents really blows out of proportion because this is limited. This release is limited to these three specific categories. And they take the front end, the front end of this that's highlighted in red and suggest that clearly the EEOC is trying to blow up the California lawsuit. Nothing in this release shall be deemed to be a release or waiver of claims that arise after the date I sign, claims that arise out of this release, if for some reason Activision promises to pay me 100 grand and they don't give it to me, I can go get that 100 grand and or void this release, claims that are not waivable under applicable law, which are not these, these are waivable in general, and or workers' compensation or unemployment insurance rights. I understand that this release does not prohibit me from filing a claim, but I can't participate in monetary damages, et etc. I also understand that the parties being released are Activision Blizzard and its current and former parents and subsidiaries. We also waive the application of the known unknown stuff that happens under the California Civil Code. And if I do that, I get the check for $100,000. So that's the state of play here, right? The state of California is basically entirely wrong on seeking to intervene on this. These women have the voluntary capability of deciding for themselves whether it's a good enough number. If the EOC comes back and says, we offer you $4, you don't have to release anything. Say, I'm going with California. I'm riding with them. They say it's worth $400 million or whatever. We're going to go and see if California can get that money. But these women who have been sexually harassed or discriminated against, as the EEOC has found by the time you get to this release document, have it within their own capacity. And the law definitely validates that. decide for themselves whether the number on this line is satisfactory for the releases they want to give. They're not owned by the state of California, and the state of California has no right to intervene on their quote-unquote behalf. Now, finally, it's worth noting that this isn't completely separated from the other playlists we've got going at Activision Blizzard, including Microsoft Times Activision. As I said, folks like The Hollywood Reporter are interested in this because of the $70 billion transaction at its heart, and it's worth noting that the FTC continues to get increasing amounts of pressure based on headlines like these, based on the settlement decrees. And in the Wall Street Journal today, we see a headline that says, U.S. Senators pressure FTC to review Microsoft Activision merger. Again, not a terribly useful headline. We also saw this with the secondary letter that was put forth by certain advocacy groups. They're already reviewing the merger. They mean that they really want them to take a look at potentially wiping it out. Senators Warren, Sanders... Booker, and White House say Deal could undermine employees' calls for accountability over alleged misconduct at the video game maker. So this kind of lines up with the CWA participating in that letter saying, this is effectively getting Activision out of jail and it shouldn't be allowed. Except from my perspective, I still have the issue that says, if these people are so badly treated at Activision Blizzard, new management is probably warranted and maybe one of the best ways to get them a better work environment. That being said, my opinion doesn't matter. The opinion of folks like these senators does matter. And the FTC is feeling the screws put to it a little bit that they're going to have to look at this with a fine tooth comb. So pay attention to these kinds of headlines. I've given an 80-20 percentage to this deal. More and more of these things start popping up. That number probably comes down a little bit because the FTC, as much as you might like to think of them as a fully stand-up regulatory body is susceptible to political pressures and no more susceptible than in the enforcement of antitrust laws. If you enjoy these conversations about business, law, technology, software, and more, please consider supporting the channel. We cannot do it without viewers and subscribers and listeners like you. As you can tell from this screen, if you missed yesterday's video, we've got a new platform that you can support virtual legality on, Utreon, which has... Almost the exact same features as Patreon. In fact, we're going to try to make them even more identical to each other, but gives more money straight to the creators, including Virtual Egality and Hoag Law. And I know a number of you don't like the Patreon platform. That said, if you do like Patreon, we're going to support both platforms at once. Please do check out either Utreon or Patreon. Or if none of those things interest you, just subscribe, tell your friends, ring bells, upvotes, downvotes, all those nice little engagement metrics that YouTube seems to like so much.